Greetings and welcome to episode 25 of the Old Patrol HQ podcast. I'm your host, Gil Maza. This podcast is dedicated to celebrating and preserving the history, heritage, and legacy of the Old Patrol through the words of those who lived it, both past and present, with a few shenanigans along the way. Ever heard of a Panera Bread sandwich saving someone from a carjacking? Today we speak with Border Patrol agent Roy Rosas, class 940, out of El Central Sector. Roy left early for the sole purpose of picking up a sandwich before work. Little did he know he would be end up stopping a carjacking. And we have his story exclusively here at Old Patrol HQ. Honor first, honor always. Good morning, brother, and uh, welcome to Old Patrol HQ. It's our pleasure and our honor, brother, and uh, we're talking to you today because of the incident that you had on July 25th, and I really do want to get into that, but before we do, I- I'd like to hear about you. I'd like to hear what got you started in the patrol. Well, what got me started was uh, I have a middle a middle brother. I have three brothers, actually, and the middle brother at the time uh, was in the uh, Explorer program here in El Central, in El Central Sector. Um and he would go to the Explorer program and right after, you know, his school and stuff or on the weekends. And then when he'd come home, he'd really, he'd really talk about it, he'd talk about it real good. Uh, uh, be happy about what they did over there. He made good friends. And uh, he always told me, he said, once I became of age and able to uh, apply, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and apply. And he told me, uh, and you should do that too, bro, he said. And uh, so that always stuck with me. Uh, during that time, I was actually working for a welding company. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we always know we're, we're from, we're native here from the Imperial Valley. So we, we know uh, Border, Border Patrol existed. You know, we got the corrections. We got prisons all around us. We have, uh, you know, high patrol, local local PD, a lot of law enforcement. Aside from, from that, uh, you know, my family has been in law enforcement, you know, for a long time. I have, you know, a few cousins in uh, ICE. Uh, got some in uh, California Department of Corrections. Uh, we got some in uh, uh, local PD. Uh, actually, in, uh, in Border Patrol also, I had an uncle in the Border Patrol. I remember seeing him uh, come home with his old revolver. So he was back mm-hmm. in the old days. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, looking into it even more and, and seeing, seeing what they do, the, the duties of it, you know, what, what, what they pertain of. And uh, I really liked it. I liked the, uh, you know, what, what they stand for. You know, we're here to, to secure and guard America's front line, and that sounded nice to me. You know, I really like that. Uh, everything else that comes along with it, you, you had opportunities for to, for expansion in there. You know, you can get on ATVs and patrol. You can do a horse patrol if you'd like. You can, uh, um, you know, do mountains, teams. There's there's even bikes if you get a good station in the city. So I really liked it. I really liked the concept. I really liked what it, what it stood for. Uh, like I said, I had options. Um, I actually did also apply for California Corrections as I had a cousin, a couple of cousins in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were I was doing both processes together, the, the Border Patrol and, and California Corrections. And I would go to one, uh, do the physical one, then you know next month I'd go to the other. So my mindset was whichever called me first. But um, as I was looking deeper into it, you know, I decided, you know what, I, I kind of want to go to the Border Patrol. You know, I like, I like what, what, what they stand for. Uh, they have a lot of uh, freedom in there also. When I say freedom, I mean, you know, you get your keys, you go out there, you do your job. But you're not in an office, you're not stuck in there. Yeah. If you don't want to be. And uh, so I got called for the California Corrections and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to hold off on that and wait. And luckily enough, about uh, a week or two later, I got the, the call. A tentative letter also uh, to go to the academy, so I was happy about that. Yeah. So that's that, that, that's where I stand, and I headed off to the academy. Yeah, that's a that's a good day when you get that acceptance because I my process was kind of the same way, in the sense that um, I had put in for you know I, finally when I decided I needed a career, I put in for a bunch of places, and I did not know that the border patrol existed, so. When they called, and uh, I just figured a federal job's better than you know more secure, more financially secure, with better with with better um, benefits as well. Yeah. Yeah, correct. That's that's another thing I didn't mention in there, and I looked at that also. 
So when I was uh, doing the welding thing, I mean, yeah, you make good money there if you wanted to. You can make a lot, but, you know, you're working a lot also. You're beating yourself up. And ultimately, you know, some jobs like that sometimes, if you do get hurt or something, then, then, then that's, that's it. It's a goodbye, you know, there's nothing to take care of you. And uh, I also looked at that in the, the aspect of a federal job is the security, the benefits. And I did have a family to take care of, so that worked out really good for all of us. Uh, with being in the patrol also and what they uh, offered, I was able, I'm able to, you know, my, my kids go to the dentist and, uh, you know, they go to the doctors and, and it doesn't hurt my pocket as much. So that, that, that does, that's a good thing also. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a good, so really it's a good like living. That. Yeah, it's a good living. And uh, it, uh, it, it is the best job I ever had because it uh, provided me the best retirement, you know, as well. So that's the second best job I've ever had is my retirement. Yes, sir, and I'm hoping to get there too. I'm hoping to get there too. Amen, so, amen. All but, of us. but as as we're, we're as I'm working it right now, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take in as much as I can because you're not lying about it. It is a good job because it is a good job. Yeah. Okay, we every every four years we might change up something here and there, but um, uh, it's something that we can't uh, control. But ultimately, you know, we it's good camaraderie. Um, they the, when I went in, you know, the patrol was at twenty some thousand, I believe, and um, it's true what they say is the patrol is small, even though you have 20,000, because you can just go from a Florida station, come all the way to California, and you'll see someone that you met in Florida. Uh -huh. You know, you'll start running into somebody like that. And I like that because I made I made I met a lot of uh, a lot of good guys and girls in the patrol there, uh, long life friends. So I really like that also. Yeah, every every deployment, every every training, every trip to sector is a, is a family reunion. <laughs> Yeah, you don't expect it. You don't expect it, but you do. So, and that's a good time. It's a good time. It sure a smile is. In your face. Uh -huh. It sure is. So, so um, you well, you went to the academy at um, Artesia. Yes, we, I was Artesia. They had changed already to Artesia from I think it was uh, Georgia somewhere before you guys went. Yeah, there, but yeah, went from Glencoe to Charles Glencoe to Charleston, and then Artesia. So tell me about your experience at uh, at the academy. The experience. It was uh, a military experience. I'm, I wasn't a military guy, but going in there, listening to the stories, they did have a lot of discipline in there and um, well-deserved because uh, that's what makes good agents come out, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I got, I EOD'd in uh, Tucson sector. I'm from the Imperial Valley here from California. Mm -hmm. So the day I left here, I had to go to a motel in uh, Tucson. I think it was somewhere around Broadway. So I got, I went to the motel to go wait for the bus that was going to take us to Artesia. You know, my family dropped me off, and that that was the loneliest day of my life I've ever had because I could see them out the window taking off, and I'm like, here I go. You know, it's it's, it's this or nothing. You know, I, I I left my job here to start this good career, and I have to get it done. So. After they left me there, the following day we got on the bus and we headed off to, to Artesia. I can't remember what the drive was, 16 hours or so, but yeah, it was a lonely drive, a long mm. drive, because I knew what was ahead. I knew what was coming from all the stories and seen it, you know, on the YouTube channels and stuff. And uh, so we got there, you know, they give us our luggage the way they should. Uh, we get off, we line up, they, you know, the discipline starts right off the back. Yeah, and um, and that's what's good about it. I mean, you, you, you got to do it because it did engrave something in me about that. But yeah, the, the academy was good. Um, I always I was always into firearms, so I like the firearms, um, the running and the uh, PT. You know, see course and stuff. I really like that. Um, the only thing that was a little difficult and was 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 pounding my head a lot was actually learning learning the law of immigration. It's a lot. It's a little different than. Mm -hmm. regular cop law because we got to still take into consideration U.S. citizens and what their rights are and what we can and can't, you know, uh, come, uh, come across when we come across them, we, what our laws are towards them. So it was a little difficult. Um, I got through it, but that, that, that was that was the hardest part um, of the academy. The, the, the PT part was good. I really liked it. I enjoyed it. It was good for you. So, you, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody should... Uh, should have complained about that because you got out there and got some exercise every day and that was great. Yeah, I really liked that. I really liked that. And then uh, the instructors were—I had I, luckily I had real good instructors. 
Um, also, I really like the swimming. They, 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 we, we were jumping in with our heavy belts and stuff like that. That was, that was really, <laughs> that was really cool. Really like that. Um, and I, I actually tested out of Spanish, so I didn't do any of the Spanish portion of it. So I got out there earlier than others. Wow. Uh, some of my classmates, yeah, my classmates had to stay behind. Some of them. And uh, I got, I got to tell you, Ro, I got to tell you I, that that you know. Um, that really upsets me when you say that because uh, I could have tested out a Spanish, but they didn't have that when I went through. Right. <laughs> I, 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 I think just recently here now, too, a couple years back, they, they didn't give that option either. Yeah, so yeah, they got rid of it, yeah. 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 But I was there, I got on the phone, you know, I talked to whoever the, you know, that, that machine was, and we tested out, so that, I tested out, so that, that, was, that was good. I got to the station before my classmates, you know, a month or so, or maybe a month and a half or something like that, I believe it was, and, uh, so that was a good thing. We were able to get a, a good head start in our yes. NGO program before they did. Yes. Um, so yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Everything that comes with 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 the what Border Patrol does and uh, the way they train you and stuff, it, I, I think it's the proper, it's really really proper way to do it, and, and it's real good because that's what makes an agent. You know, if the agent wants to do it um, and he takes it seriously in the way it's supposed to be taken, um, he'll come out to be a real good agent for the rest of his life. Yeah, even yeah. after retirement, even after retirement, you can see it in in, in yourself, sir. Well, so. you know what? I, I I gotta tell you, I love I love academy setting. I when I've gotten to go and teach at the academy, I love the setting. I love the chow hall food. I actually I, I went to Glencoe. I graduated out of Glencoe, but going back to Artesia, the sights and sounds and smells are all the same. You know, even walking into the gym, I don't know what it is, but the smells, the sounds, everything, the when you walk in there, even going over there and getting that you know that uniform that they issue you to have to work out in, it's just something about that that just charges me up. It's different. Yeah. It is unique, and you're never going to get that anywhere else. No. Not even if you try to duplicate that out here, you can't. Yeah. And that's the good. That's the good thing about that. So, and it does stick with you, and it and it's good because that is one of the very first memory you are going to have as becoming an agent. After that, it's just all all on you. Is where you want to become a good agent or not, and uh, and there's a lot of us out there. So. Yeah, there is, and, and that's what we have to remember. And so you graduate the academy, and you went to a very unique. You had a very unique first duty station. It was a very good duty station. I'm glad because uh, <laughs> before before I mention it, um, there is some agents, and I'm not going to say they get cheated out or anything like that, but um, I would think. Everyone, I think they started doing it already. Everyone should try the, the southern border out as a border patrol agent because that's where it's at. If you go northern, maybe you might, you know, say to yourself, man, you know, I kind of don't want this atmosphere. I really wanted to go down there and do something. Or if you go to a checkpoint station, I don't know how the checkpoint stations are. I haven't been to one of those. But um, my duty station, my first one was Douglas, Arizona. And mm. that, that place had a little bit of everything. <laughs> my whole town. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you, you got a little portion of the city if you wanted it. You got the outskirts. Um, you got mountains. Um, there's even forests uh, a little bit northern in the northern areas where we would even go over there and uh, and check it out. So it was it was a real good area. The, the altitude you would think Arizona, but the altitude was at least uh, about four thousand feet up or something like that. And it it was cold over there. The weather was real nice. Um, I was even there a couple times where it snowed. So. Yeah, but it was, it's a real good station. Um, uh, we went as a class of about thirty-two to Douglas, so we were a pretty big class. We had about thirty-two, and um, Douglas was growing at the time already as a station. I believe when you were, I don't know, I don't know if you ever seen the old station when you were there. Yeah, before, but it was just an old little uh, area north of, I think it was the Interstate eighty or something. Yeah, I got to go there on detail a couple of times. Okay, and they had the uh, the horse corrals right in that area and stuff like that. So, did you ever get to see the new station? We had a new station on Kings, on Kings Road. Uh, no. And that is a very, that was a big the big station. They built it, it was really nice, and the uh, agents started to grow there. I remember we were up to I want to say six hundred agents, wow. four or six. We used to muster pretty good, about sixty agents or so, and. Um, there were a lot of good, a lot of good people I met over there. A lot of good people, real hard workers. 
So, uh, like I said, they had a little taste of everything over there in that station. So how was the work when you got there then? I mean, uh, what, what were you primarily doing when you when you first showed up and you were on the FTO program? And then um, how was the work? So the good thing about that was for me now, looking at other FTO programs, was we went to the FTO, FTO program there, we went straight to work. There was already something to do. So our FTOs threw us in the suburban. We went out there to a rockiest area. And we were already running around, you know, chasing. And we also worked with Omaha. Um, and uh, so we were out there trainees, you know, not knowing, just running around like crazy. But uh, we were doing it, and it was fun. Uh, we did that. We also uh, did a lot of tracking and, like, uh, washes because they have a lot of washes down there. Yeah. And we would track from, we would track from uh, let's see, it would be sundown all the way to sun up sometimes because you, you just have it you know you know you have that that sign and you would follow it and uh a lot of tracking is good some of it's sandy some of it's rocky so you got to learn how to do that also yeah look for those uh flipped over rocks or or or, or uh you know bushes that are that, that been disturbed and stuff like that it's a little bit of different tracking you got to learn how to do it it takes a little bit of time but they teach you over there and they teach you really really good and that's what we did um so it was fun the FTO program really wasn't always in class. They, they rarely wanted to do class. That was a good thing. Yeah. The FTOs rarely wanted to sit down there and be there. They would get upset. They'd be like, hurry up, let's get out. <laughs> yeah. That's a, out as it should be. Mm-hmm. And we'd be out there. You know, We had Suburbans over there, and uh, they had us all in there. And once something would pop off, they, they, the FTOs would get on the radio and tell the agents on the field, hey, we're coming in. You know, we got it. All right, so that would be us. And that was good. That was good because it did it – did, uh, teach us a lot it ingrained a lot of stuff into us so yeah and, uh, once we got thrown out on our own at least we had a little bit of you know sense of what to do already yeah so, any, any shout outs to anybody in particular during that time that really made an impact to you well my FTOs was uh, Pete Nopri Ben Hudgens mm-hmm. and they're, they're, those were really good guys man. really good really 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 good trackers real smart guys and I really appreciate what they what they did they helped us out um, so I really appreciate that. I really, I really want to thank all my classmates, also the 940 class that was there, because we had a lot, we had a real good class, and uh, they all helped each other. We all helped each other out if, if needed, you know, because we still needed homework. We still had homework to do right off of FTU, and uh, we were actually still doing those tests. I don't know if you know about that program. When, uh, if you remember that, when you get out of FTU, out of the academy, we still had about seven tests that we had to pass on the com- uh, computer based. Mm. And if we did not, if we did not, then, you, you know, you don't make it, you fail, I guess. Yeah, I had, never, and, I had uh, never heard of that. I mean, I know, you know, we had our yeah. our 6 and 10 month that uh, you had no, to it's pass. It's almost like that. Okay. Right? It's, almost, it's almost like that, but we had it computer-based. And um, a lot of us would, you know, would get nervous and stuff because you're like, wow, you just come out of the academy. You know, you get, I don't want to say beat up, but you get taught real well over there and the discipline. And you got to come out here and still risk it, you know, maybe not making a, that one test score or something. And uh, a lot of the a lot of classmates were real good helps, so and we had a little, you know, we'd go roommate together because a lot of us weren't from, weren't from that area. So of course we roommated, and um, we helped each other out, and we got through the whole thing, and finally got off of that journeyman status, and we were good to go. So I appreciate that, you know, class of nine forty. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what did you enjoy doing most? I like getting off, and. Uh, you know, going up to those those mountain areas, I guess, because I don't, I don't know if you know, you're from there, so you know more or less uh, GTR, Geronimo Trail Road, mm-hmm. and it goes out just uh, east of airport, and then you get up to those high mountains. So there would be stuff, you know, hitting over there. You could get off, and then, then an agent, and that's another good thing about Douglas is they would hear you on the radio that you needed to go answer up to something that's really, you know, solitary or something way out there that sometimes you might not get good radio comms or well, they'd be another agent coming out to help you out. They tell you, hang on a sec, you know, you know, I'll go, I'll go with you or whatever, because they know how it is. Plus you had mountain lions and stuff walking all around those places. And yeah. And, uh, so that's a good thing. You know, we had a couple of mountain lions sometimes on camera, just walking behind another agent, you know, pretty distance, but he was still stalking them. We had things like that happening over there. And, uh, so we'd go out there and hike it up. And I used to like that. Um, another thing I used to like was, uh, Aside from being on being on the ground, was we had a lot of MSCs over there, so we had about nine of them in all different areas, and then high, really high points. 
and I used to like getting up there and, and searching for groups because the Douglas had a lot of big groups. I mean, you'd have a minimum of uh, 11, uh, 8 to 12 in a group every 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 so often. And I mean, uh, you know, every few hours, one would come across, try to make it, try to make it north, and uh, you, would, you would wrap that one up, or you'd have agents on that one, and you'd search around, you'd find another group. So those work constantly all the time in Douglas. So the, I used to love love tracking and looking for the groups there. That was a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Any um, any uh, war stories stand out with the, to you from that time in particular? Anything particularly uh, particularly scary? With with when tracking the groups, really, your adrenaline just hits you. You really don't think about it. you're just doing your job. But uh, I think just the mountain lions were pretty scary because we had another ranch out there called uh, called Malpai, and they had a jaguar out there in their in their area. Jeez. And the jaguar came over from from Mexico, from the uh, from the south side. So um, he had we had pictures of that jaguar on the on a uh, game cam inside our station. It was a pretty famous jaguar there. So you would always have that in your mindset. You know, you're out there tracking, sure you're looking at the uh, sign, you're following it up. You know, you're hoping you run into them uh, quick enough, but you also had it behind your head that you know there's there's cats out here. So that yeah. was the scary part. That was the scary part <laughs> doing that. Uh, aside from those cats, you know, the other side of the AOR, you had bears because it was it was uh, uh, north of. Uh, I mean, it was, we were south of a uh, Chiricahua, I think it was the Chiricahua Mountains, mm-hmm. and we would always we would spot a bear every once in a while on our MSC inside our in our AOR too. So that was another thing we had to look out for. Yeah. And, uh, but the groups itself and going after them, I think we got taught well, uh, the FTOs too. And it, it was just, for me, it was just when you were out there with your adrenaline going. And uh, I guess you would just try to, if there was a situation that would come up, you would just adjust to that situation. Uh, that's that, that's how, I, that's how we, I felt. And I think a lot of my peers also did it like that because we were just, they were just go-getters over there in Douglas. And I believe they still are. Oh, yeah. I believe they still are. That's that station. That's the way it is. So. Oh yeah, 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 and that's the thing. You don't, you don't. During that time, for some reason, I mean, we probably had countless near misses with whether it was, uh, you know, cats or uh, or yes. even or even humans, right? We because uh, you're out there by yourself, you don't think about it. Uh, that's why a lot of a lot of cops you talk to, they they're like they, they can't believe you know we are out there by ourselves, you know, hours away from somebody else tracking. You know, it, it could be one body, it could be it could be thirty, fifty, a hundred. Who knows? So. And that's the thing, and, I, and you mentioned the cops, and yes, and they would, they would, because uh, we had them at Stone Garden sometimes, you know, the the, the local sheriffs and stuff, and and, de- and definitely that's that was their mindset, man. You guys are out there sometimes just an agent by itself, you know, and yeah, that's what they would say. And it's true. Yeah, it's we're true. crazy. <laughs> but that's that. Like I said, that starts off at the academy, and that's what they embed in you, you know. That's what they have in you, and that's what uh, that's where the discipline comes in, and that's where you. Uh, I guess he programs you in a certain way, you know, if, if someone wants to really get into that. But that's it, a good thing about that. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, it really makes you feel like you can take you can take care of yourself. You you know, you walk out there. I mean, gosh, yeah, I don't remember being afraid out there till I got older. You know? Exactly. There was no fear. I mean, you, you, you felt like if something were to come up at the time, I mean, after the fact that you say you already wrapped it up, you, were, you, were, you would think about the scenarios and you'd be like, well, if that would have happened, then I would have just adjusted or done this or done that but during the time you really don't you really don't think about that that's right so. yeah and uh, and you just go out and do the job and it's just the job and you just go out and do it so you ended up leaving douglas eventually yeah so like i said in the beginning i'm, I'm, I'm a native from here from the imperial valley mm-hmm. and uh when i when i yield in douglas um you know i had my wife and my and my kids here and i never took them with me over there uh so I roommated with another another agent that oh. also, yeah, that also EOD over there and left his family up north somewhere in Phoenix area. Uh, this guy was named uh, Roberto Bravo, a uh, good guy. So we roommated for five, six years there. We actually roommated right there on 8th and San Antonio. If you know, the, there's some apartment complexes right there. Yeah. Um, you, mean to, wait, you, you mean to tell me that you spent uh, five, six years there in Douglas uh, apart from your family? Yes, about six years. So, Ooh, that yeah, must so have been it, rough. It, it was. It was. So that's another thing that was in my head the whole time. But uh, once I got off of FTU and, and and had a little bit of a little bit of uh, 
I don't want to say pool or anything, but um, was able to get the respect of the supervisors, watch commanders. They understood and they knew, so they would they would do do me a good favor sometimes and let me work ten straight, and then I would get you know my four off, and I would come over here and back to the valley to the family, and then I would head back and work another ten straight, and then I would come back, and that's what I would be doing the whole time I was over there. Um, wow! So with that, other, so with that other gentleman, uh, Robert Bravo, will be doing that also. Mm-hmm. So in uh, I yielded in 2010, and in 2016, there was that program that opened up. It was called the Swap. So it was a one for one, and you just had to look for somebody that was interested in going to your area, and uh, you can swap with him. So I put my info in that uh, program, and I got someone who wanted to go to Douglas because. He almost had the same situation where he was in Arizona, but I mean, I'm sorry, he was in Yuma sector, but his family was in Tucson, you know, where I was at. So he, he wanted to come this way and he swapped with me. He came over to Douglas. Um, I went over to Yuma sector, the Welton station. And um, so I was there in Welton, again, another station, good station, mm-hmm. um, good work also. Uh, that's when you start getting into that you know, that Yuma AOR stuff where there's just these big groups coming through, you know. And so I enjoyed that one also. Uh, in Welton, I used to like working the camps a lot. There was a camp called Camp Grip, that isolated camp where you stay out there for seven days and you work it, you don't come home, you know, until, until your seven days up. Um, and I used to do those. I used to like working those uh, camps out there. They had a real good camp. And it was fun. You work right on the side with Ajo. Ajo had a lot of work, of course, um, and I enjoyed that time that I was there. It was just probably it was a short time, maybe three years or something in Welton. Uh, again, met met good good guys. So met some other good guys right there, and uh, I really enjoyed that one. Um, just seems decided. to it seems to me like um, your first five years in the patrol, man, were were a, a bit of a hardship. I mean, I know you handled it. You have a good attitude about it, but uh, man, that would uh, that's sounded sounds hard. Yeah, it is kind of hard, and, and and I know there's a lot of other agents that do that too, and it, and they understand, and it's hard to, to juggle the life because I'm still trying to work it through the phone over there on that side about my kids and in, in, in academics and in school and mm-hmm. what they need and what I need to get them, and then the wife. And so that that's what I was having to do, and then and then to keep my mindset on on my career and and, and, and what I wanted to do over there also, and, and that's the reason why it kept me in there. You know, I really like the patrol. And, when others would probably just, you know what, just couldn't handle it, though, all those years. What was it, about six years that I was in, in Douglas? Yeah. Some, I seen some go because they just, they felt um, that they were never going to be able to get a transfer or something like that, so they decided just to leave it and take off. But um, I was pretty adamant. I really wanted to be, stay in it, you know, in the patrol. And uh, I was hoping one day they would bring me closer. And uh, sure enough, I'm here in uh, Calexico now. So, yeah, you, I'm yeah. home. Yep, one step at a time, and you finally made it home. That's all it is. That's all it is. You do your job. I mean, your prayers get answered also. That's what I say. And the good thing is the job kept me busy. It was always something to do, so that's, that that worked my mind also, and, uh, and that kept me focused on that. So so it seemed like the time went by. It went slow, but it went fast. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it just so, like, That's how I feel about my entire career. I mean, I retired yeah. mandatory. <laughs> And yeah, it was slow, but it seems like it went fast. And and believe it or not, um, as much as I don't, I don't miss what's going on now with the whole thing. I I miss I miss the patrol. I miss the uniform. I miss the the equipment around my waist. I miss uh, my my buddies. I miss I miss who I was in the patrol. That's what it is. It's, a it's home crazy. Home, wherever you're at, yeah. It's a home away from home because you do make the buddies. You make the uh, camaraderies. You have a good time and. You know, so it's, 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 I like it. I say, and I'm still enjoying it. I'm still here, so I'm still enjoying it. I'm going to continue on. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that. And uh, I know, like I said, in the midst of all that stuff that's going on, one of the reasons why I'm ha- we're having this conversation is because I want people to hear, you know, the agents out in the field and what they're experiencing and what they're seeing. I mean, just hearing about you and your initial experience, I mean, being away from home that long and uh, muscling through so that you could have, and you eventually made it home, and now you're working up in, in El Central, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, El so, Central Sector, Calexico Station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that, that, that's uh, that's amazing, brother. That uh, 
that shows the just the the resilience and the freaking determination that you had to make it back home but you know hold on to a career that is that is going to be that's going to reward you in the end even even with all the bs going on right now which i don't like and a lot of us don't like it but uh uh it still is possible to you know snatch something good out of all this and like you said things are going to change things change yeah yeah it, it involves and changes all the time but like i said I'm, I'm happy with it and i'm happy that i'm in it and i'm happy that i'm home and it rewarded me just like you mentioned and, and it still is so I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so another one of the reasons the reasons we're talking today is because you had an off-duty incident on July 25th of this year. And um, you know that Border Patrol agents love chisme. And uh, we like to hear what happened, how it happened, when it happened, either the details, what led up to it, and everything else like that. So I'd like you to please walk us through that day and tell us, you know what happened because uh, a lot of us like i was telling we were talking earlier a lot of us ca carry off duty a lot of us ex you know uh prepared for anything that might happen but then for some of us it actually does happen and right. um and i and i think we'd like to i'd like to hear we'd like to hear how you handled yourself that day so start from that you know start from that morning and tell us what happened that day okay uh yeah so this was a sunday sunday morning uh, July 25th, and uh, I'm a, so I work swing shift right now. I'm mm -hmm. working on a swing shift, so that's a two to two to ten, two to midnight. Um, <clears throat> so usually from home, I always leave at a certain time. I got my time set right, you know. Even though I give me a little bit of buffer time just in case I need to go to the store, or, you know, you know, give me some good uh, something to drink or something like that. But this day, uh, I decided, you know what, I told my wife, you know what, I'm gonna take off early because I really wanted I. I I knew where I was going to be assigned to, mm -hmm. what part of the AOR. So I knew it was isolated enough that I wasn't going to have time to grab a lunch anywhere or, or, or uh, get a break to go into the t t town and get a, a lunch because it was pretty isolated out there. So I told my wife, I'm going to go down to uh, Panera, Panera Bread. That's what I mentioned because <laughs> I really wanted one. I wanted that 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 uh, turkey bacon avocado sandwich. That's the one that I was craving that day. So... I left early enough to uh, give me some time to, to go over there, stop, order, and then get it. So when I was leaving home, I take the same route too. There's a there's a there's a cross street, a street down there to a stop sign, and then, then a street south down to the stoplight. So I did that, and after I got in my vehicle, I went, you know, hit those streets, uh, started heading south, which on that southbound street would be the main street in my town here, and it'll be coming up to a stoplight intersection. Where there's a Circle K and a couple, you know, a couple places around it. Mm -hmm. And aside from that, just north of that stoplight, there's a a church. There's a church there. So I was, uh, I turned that that corner of the street to hit it south, and I was driving down slow. At that that day, for some reason, there was no one on the road. No, no, no. You had to see no vehicles. Mm -hmm. It looked pretty. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday afternoon, and um, so I could see from a distance the church. You know, I'm always looking around, so I could see everything. Uh, I see up in the distance uh, a vehicle with the door open right at the church. And it looked like the pastor at the time, you know. Didn't know he was the pastor at the time, but I, I kind of assumed because he was in there locking up the doors and he looked like he was going to his vehicle. So I could see that, and I was still rolling pretty slow. I wasn't, you know, in a hurry uh, to get to that stoplight. So uh, just north of that vehicle and, and, and the subject that was coming out of the, the pastor that was coming out of the church, was an individual, you know, I, I want to say 5'11", you know, uh, slim, uh, you know, dark hair, wearing Levi's, regular shirt, he had white shoes on, <clears throat> and uh, he started, he was walking towards the pastor, and I could see gestures, his hand gesture, like, gave him, like, hey, come here, so the individual did to the pastor, come here, so the pastor just stopped at his door, he didn't really, look like he didn't want to leave his uh, vehicle, he took a couple steps away from the door, and that, at that point, both of them met up with each other. I had just passed them up to hit the stoplight, so they were just right out of my passenger door, mm -hmm. both of them. And I could just see that the guy who was looking at the pastor at the time went and, uh, you know, pulled him towards him to, to, like, say something secretive in his ear. And I went to the stoplight. When I was at the stoplight, I was like, you know what, that didn't look right. So I just kept looking through my rearview mirror. First of all, luckily the stoplight was still red. It had me, it stopped me there. 
So I kept looking in, in, in my rear view, and I kept looking and looking, and all of a sudden I seen him swing at the pastor. Ooh. And and he swung, and I saw the pastor's arms go up, and he got stunned, and I flipped a U really quick. Um, just, just that little time that I took my eyes off the mirror and flipped around, went on the wrong side of the road, and you know there was no vehicle at the time. I tried punching it as fast as I could. There were probably... I want to say about 100, uh, maybe 75 yards to 100 yards uh, behind me. So I tried punching it, going as fast as I could to get to him. And at that time, he must have uh, overwhelmed the pastor enough to, you know, take him to the, hit him to the ground. And that individual ended up jumping in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. I could see him sitting in the car. And I pulled up, hit the brakes on my truck, and jumped out, jumped out of the door. And the pastor seen me. He looked up, he could see me, and I just, I believe I gestured at him, like, with my hand, just move, move. And he moved out of the way, and I went in, in the, the, the driver's seat where that individual was already sitting there, and I grabbed him by his uh, left arm, and I put my other arm around his neck, and he looked at me like, you know, who are you? So we looked at each other briefly, and he was trying to turn the, you know, put the car into drive, because the pastor had left the car on with the keys in there already. So he set him up, you know, to take that vehicle, I guess. And uh, yeah, I grabbed the guy. He looked at me and he's like, okay, so I guess this, I think in his mind, he probably would have said, this guy wants to come and fight too. Then, all right. So he was trying to, you know, push me off while I was pulling him by his arm, by his neck. And then he came out. We came out. Um, we were up standing and we were struggling. We were, we were tussling, standing up. I was trying to turn him away from me so he won't you know, get a good look at me. And I was trying to grab him in a certain way where I could take him down. He was trying to trying to push me off and swing at me with his elbows and stuff. And um, so I was ended, I was I ended up grabbing him by his waist and I took him down. And I didn't take him down towards his back. I took him down face first, so he kind of hit his face on the ground pretty hard. And uh, we were tussling on the ground for a bit, and uh, I was able to to get his hands and you know he, he was trying to come up and we. We went back down to the ground, and uh, I was able to get on him pretty good to take his hands out from underneath him where he wasn't able to push himself back up anymore. And uh, as I did that, then I laid my knee on his back, you know, and I kept telling him to get down, get down. Uh, uh, so before that, I did, I did it while we were tussling. I did introduce, I did, you know, present myself as a border patrol agent, and he didn't, you know, take that in consideration at all. So. <laughs> So we were fighting on the ground, and I was able to to pull his hands out from underneath him. I uh, put my knee on his back. I held one of his hands, and I was trying to help hold the other one. When I could see it moving toward his pocket, he kept trying to move it toward his pocket. And I was like, what is this guy doing? You know, he kept trying to push up. I kept trying to push him down. And I told him, hey, you better just stay down there. I got you. Stay down there. And uh, he kept trying to go toward his pocket. So I grabbed his arm. Checked his pocket and he was reaching for a knife. Ah, so damn. I ended up throwing the knife off to the side. Took out whatever else he had in his pocket. Get one of those quick immediate searches that we're used to used, used to doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I emptied out his pockets. And then uh, off to my left side, I saw a vehicle coming up. And that vehicle was a civilian that came and he got out of the vehicle. You know, yelling at the uh, subject too. And I kept telling that guy, "Hey, calm down." I, I got him already. I got him already. So that individual ended up calling 911. He was the one that was the 911 uh, caller there. He called them. Um, and uh, so I guess the subject on the ground already saw that. Hey, all right, he's got me down there. And there's more people coming. So he, he, he stayed on the ground. So I told that civilian uh, when, he, when he showed up, I said, do me a favor and come over here and just put your knee on this guy. Hold on to his arms. And while I go into my truck, I have my cuffs there. Yeah. So I, he did that. I, my truck was only about two, three feet away. <clears throat> I was able to still have one of my. This is this is what the academy teaches you. So this is <laughs> this is what uh, kicked in was my left foot was still right on this on the head on the on the subjects right next to his head. So they always teach you to have some part of you touching you know the subject. I guess you know so you know where he's at or his movements. Mm-hmm. You know, he has any movement. So I, I was reaching. My left leg was still right by his shoulder area. As I uh, reached into my truck and got my belt and, uh, you know, pulled the cuffs out of there and stuff. And I went back and uh, told that 
civilian that got her, you know, he got off of him and I ended up cuffing him, uh, sat him up. After he even tried to sit him up, the guy was still trying to struggle, you know. So uh, I sat him up and uh, waited for the cops to show up. And uh, so the PD, local PD, did show up, uh, took the took the subject. You know, we I, I helped the cops walk him to, to the vehicle. Uh, I asked the police if he could uh, remove my cuffs, swap them with his cuffs because, you know, I got to head off to work, I told him. So uh, we did that. He took my information down and... Uh, I asked him if there was anything else, you know, he needed from me. And he said, yeah, can I see, I know I believe you, but can I see your creds, you know? So I showed him my credentials and he took it down, wrote everything down that he needed. And so I mentioned to him, okay, is there, you, you got this? And he's like, yeah, I got it. Thank you very much. Uh, I said, all right, you know, I got to take off. You know, I'm running a little late. So I, I jumped into my vehicle and I, I, I headed off to work. Actually, I headed off to Panera Bread to go get me my sandwich. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, n- nutrition before the mission, right? Yes, and I did call in, and I knew I was running just a little bit late because of what happened, but I never mentioned what went down, and I just told the supervisor that I said his name was Jonathan Snyder, and I said, hey, Snyder, hey, uh, give me a little bit, you know, about 10, 15 minutes, and, you know, I got to go grab some real quick, and, and then I head off over there, and he's like, all right, no problem. So that's how that ended. Yeah, and um, how long do you think it took for the cops to get there? So after I had him on the ground, I was act- I actually had him on the ground with with my hands for a bit, holding his, his hands towards his back, and almost like if he was in a cuff, yeah. position, prone, because I didn't have anybody out there to help me. The pastor was there, but I wasn't going to ask the pastor. He looked he looked already, you know, overwhelmed from what, what was going on. Mm. And uh, once that civilian came, probably about a minute or two down, he was able to help, you know, help me hold this guy while I cuffed him up. So that's about two minutes. And then when the civilian called 911, it still took maybe, maybe about two, three minutes for the... Uh, the uh, police to show up because I was able to lift the guy up off the ground and uh, and sit him up uh, away from the pavement onto uh, the curb there because it was uh, about uh, 12.45, 12.50 in the afternoon and it was pretty hot. So that's another thing that, that kicked in in my head was I don't want to have him down here on the ground too much. Even though he did what he did, I just didn't want him to be burning up on that, that hot pavement after I already got him you know, detained already. He's already in custody. So I was able to pick him up and sit him down there on the curb. And uh, so it, it took a few, a couple minutes, maybe, maybe four minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that uh, I don't know a lot of people know it, but that gets ingrained in you from the academy that the moment you take custody of an individual, basically they belong to you. Anything that happens to them after that is on you. That's exactly right. Because I was, uh, I know he was struggling. I had to take him down a couple of times. I, I could see on his face he had those pavement marks, but that was just from the struggle that we had. Yeah. So after that, I thought, you know, he's already immobilized and he can't do anything with my cuffs on so i can't leave him down here like this and it's pretty hot you know and so i i did tell him actually i said listen i'm gonna get your leg like this i'm gonna turn you around you're gonna stand up i'm gonna walk you over here and uh we did just that and i got him up and i sat him down on the ground i was right next to him actually my knee my right knee was on his back while he was sitting down and uh we were waiting we were waiting for the for the police to show up and they they took him after that. They, they, they took custody of him. Got yeah. my cuffs back. Yeah, so we were uh, Yeah. And uh, did the guy, was the guy saying anything during this whole time? He was actually, he was actually throwing threats out. Throwing threats. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and actually, um, I believe he's still in the county jail as of today because we would get, we got subpoenaed a couple times to go in there. And, um, uh, to the courts, and it was myself and the pastor and the local PD, and we went, but he wasn't. He wouldn't show up to those courts. Um, so where I was getting at when you were saying if he anything was when we would go to the courts, I was able to speak to the uh, the PD, the, the, the policeman that took custody of him afterwards, and that, and that police said uh, on the way to the county jail, he was threatening the cop. Actually, mm. you know, yeah, he, he he would threaten the cop and. Um, when the cop took him to the hospital because they had to take him to the hospital to check his injuries out because, you know, he went down pretty hard. Yeah. He went down pretty hard, but he took, he, you know, he met the pavement and uh, they had to go get him checked and they had to throw him in a CAT scan and the police said that the doctor asked them to take the handcuffs off so they could throw him in the CAT scan and he said, the individual told him, once you release this hand, I'm going to sock you in your, in your throat. Oh. So, uh, yeah, he was doing that at the hospital and that cop told me, once he said that, he told the doctor, well, I'm sorry, he's got to go in there with these cuffs. 
prior to that, I think the, the, the actual uh, officer told me that they had run-ins with that subject before. Um, so it was about two cops that, that had, to, had to take him down. You know, he was fighting with two cops and stuff like that. So he had priors. He had priors on him. So I, I think that's why he's still in there right now because the, the actual DA wanted to pick up the carjacking. And that, that, that seemed like it was going to be the stronger one. So, so that's where he's at right now, I believe. Yeah, and um, um, did he, so he was there at that time. The reason he was there was to just carjack the the pastor. The way his walk was, and and the way he was approaching, yes, I believe that's what it was. Because he, we, like I said, that Sunday there was no one in the road. I didn't see anybody. I turned the corner and it looked empty, and um, it was just that pastor closing up. Uh, we found out afterwards what he was doing. He was just closing up after after church and stuff. You know, he went and did a. I, I believe he said he put a couple boxes in there and then he closed the doors. So he just left his vehicle running, you know, mm-hmm. knowing, knowing that that has never happened in this small town, you know, and the, who knows? I mean, he thought it was safe. And I think that individual seen that and he was walking towards him. And that, that was the hand gesture, I believe, that he was telling him. So he had he, he held the pastor there for a bit, just enough to, to get to him and, and, and do, do that. So, but uh, I was there to see. And uh, like I said, I turned around and, adrenaline kicked in and that's all that that, that, that i was thinking of you know to, to to get that to detain that subject yeah yeah i mean it this is just amazing to me uh roy you had just a few seconds i mean you were driving past you might have been on your phone you might have been listening to your music at full blast you know whatever it is that you know that distracts you or whatever when you're driving the road and you were uh in so enough of, you had enough situational awareness that in just a few seconds your the body language the situation your instincts told you there was something wrong and i did have my music on i didn't mention that but you just as you mentioned it i did i, I usually put my phone there with uh you know pandora on and i listen yeah. to it on the way to work and yeah. i did but for some reason even though i had that volume at that same volume that i always hear that it went blank because my mind started to my eyes started to look at what was happening so the music was kind of like blank and i was ignoring the music and just my mind was running, and uh, and I just kept uh, I just kept my eyes on my rear view, and I saw when he, uh, he he started to attack the pastor, and that just kicked in. I turned around so fast. I looked to see if there was any vehicles, but the road was still empty because I went on the wrong side of the road. I turned around, yeah, and punched the truck. And once I got to him, um, I slammed on the brakes and jumped out of my truck. Then. And took care of business. Are, are, were you are you were you wearing an off-duty weapon, or are you carrying your your service firearm on you? So I had my belt and my 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 weapon in my truck with me. I was wearing my green uh, BDU shirt with mm-hmm. the green pants. But uh, like like we like other people mentioned, and, and you talk about it, the adrenaline just kicked in. I just said to myself, "Let me get out there." I didn't have any uh, any time to do any of that stuff. Um, I wanted to go hands on, really. That was that, that's the only option I think I had with that with that that carjacker there was just to go hands on. Yeah. He was already in, the, in, a, in a position where he was ready to just after he overwhelmed you know the pastor he was in a position where he was just ready to take off in his vehicle. So yeah. So I had I had no other choice and, and my instinct right away just I just did what the first thing I thought I could do was and just go hands on with him. Yeah. So that's yeah. what worked out. And uh, another interesting point that I that I saw is that uh, you know you didn't you didn't leave at your normal time, right? That was and that's that crazy. Mm-hmm. Yes, just that day, just that day, I figured that you know let me do something a little bit earlier. You know, I usually have a set time, and uh, you know I'm, I'm always on it and everything. And uh, just that day, that day I wanted to go and, uh, because because I told because I mentioned I wanted that Panera sandwich. That darn Panera. Yes, that Panera sandwich. Because a couple of days earlier, I had a buddy of mine in Calexico who gave me half of his. And we were out in the field. <laughs> and it was that exact sandwich. And I ate it and I was like, man, this is a good sandwich. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to go get me one that day. That's exactly what happened. His name is uh, uh, George Carmona. He's from, he, he actually commutes from San Diego. And, uh, Heck, and we, he should, we should have interviewed George because he actually set the whole <laughs> thing in motion. <laughs> He, you don't know Carmona's a good guy. He didn't know that feeding you that sandwich was gonna make yeah. you go get the sandwich at a different time and be at the. I like to say you were at the uh, wrong place at the right at the time. Right time, correct. You know, so all the motions, all the motions work. Start <laughs> off with that sandwich. Everything worked out. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, have you talked? Have you talked to the pastor since then? 
Uh, you know what? Uh, yes, yes, I've seen him, and he we, we actually actually friended me on uh, you know on social media, and I could see him. He every services he does life services uh, through his house also. He, real good guy, I mean, really good. He, we were able to meet, meet his family because um, Chief Bovino, um, which is our, our El Central Chief, real good chief. I really uh, um, thank Mr. Bovino. He he uh, invited us uh, for a meet. Um, a couple of days later, and we invited the pastor's family and my family. So that's another good thing. I was able to take my wife and my son over there to go see the actual border patrol sector. Uh, we went uh, walked through through the station, so they got to see that. And my son's fourteen, and his eyes were pretty bright. He was like, "Oh man, this is what my dad does," you know. So that was pretty cool, and I and I thank uh, the chief, Chief Bowino, for that. Yeah, yeah. We, we sat down. We sat down with them, and he he wanted to hear the story, our story also, and. Uh, he met he met the pastor and the family and then uh, and my family and the pastor you know and his wife his wife gave a very emotional uh, uh, speech you know she said it and it almost made me you know tear up but 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 it was really emotional about about how thankful she is and you know you know this that stuff and, and how grateful she was that I was in the right place at the right time it was it was really nice I really I really appreciate that so yeah with that really 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 you know yeah. And now, how did how did your wife react when she first found out? So, so I, I I called my wife because you know I looked through the social media or somebody sent me a text that it, we have this thing called I don't know if you know it but there's some guys sometimes that, that that listen up to the police radars and they'll they'll put the uh, the info out on uh, on social media so it's called um, in, uh, Imperial Valley Scanner app I believe and. Um, it came out on that scanner app just hours afterwards or maybe within the hour because they're listening to it. So I believe when the, that individual called 911, they were listening in and on that, uh, on that scanner app, it said, uh, it said off duty border patrol agent, you know, detained or on scene with, you know, a carjacking or something like that. So I mentioned that. So I, I saw that and, and I took a picture of it and I sent it to my wife and she's like, Oh, she didn't believe it, you know, and, but her, what came out of her mouth was like, "Did you ever? Did you did you make it get your sandwich?" Well, because she knows she knows her husband's a badass. That's why he doesn't. She wasn't worried about you. She wanted to make sure you were fed. Yeah, she said, "Did you get your sandwich?" So that's 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 what that that's what came out of her mouth. Okay, so after that scanner app came out, and then it just it just hit from there. It came out on the local news and. uh KYMA channel also had it on there. You know the the anchor lady said it, and and that's also because um, uh, the chief of police uh, wrote up a good accommodation and, and, and sent it to uh, sector, and and they presented me with that there. So I appreciate yeah. that also. Well deserved, brother, and, and that's one of the reasons you're here too. As you know, we um, instituted a new award at Old Patrol HQ, and that's the um, Old Patrol Award Medallion, and that is given to people. You can't buy it. It's earned, and it's and I present it to people that exhibit, you know, currently that that are, that are on the job currently exhibiting the ethics, the um, the work, the the courage. You went out there that day. You don't know what was going to happen. You were after a sandwich. You ended up taking down a carjacker. You had that presence of mind. Like I said in the uh, previous podcast, you know, while society was doing what it's doing, they don't realize that you, a sheepdog, was out there looking out for them one way or the other. And when you saw the opportunity, you reacted and you your training kicked in. You were taught at the academy, what you were, what you experienced on the job, and you brought that all together and you saved somebody's life or saved somebody's property. And uh, that's the kind of thing that honors our history, our heritage, and our legacy. And I want people to know, and your fellow agents, it's uh, me. It, it, it fills my heart, and it makes me proud to have worn the uniform. And uh, that's why this award exists, because you, your actions honored the history and heritage and legacy of the patrol. And uh, that's why I felt like you deserved to get this award. I appreciate that. Yeah, I really do. I really, really appreciate that. So I believe uh, any any agent out there would probably do the same thing. Uh, we're, we're like just like you said, we're we're, we're guardians of our nation, either on or off duty, and uh, that's just an instinct that we have. And I think anybody would probably kick that in. I was just 
my my card was chosen that day. Yeah, your card was chosen that day, and that, and again, that's the thing. Um, society may not agree with it or agree with it. They may be aware of it or not aware of it. But sheepdogs like you are out there with their senses. Just you know, your senses are on alert. Your spidey sense was tingling. Your, you know, your, uh, your, your uh, situational awareness and your willingness, though, the willingness to step in and risk your life to protect somebody else. I'm telling you, brother, um, you, uh, you're not the kind of person that brags. You're not the kind of person that draws attention to yourself. But that doesn't mean I can't. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. I really do. It feels, it feels pretty good. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I, I, well, it's, it's it's our honor and our pleasure. And I wanted to to, to close off the, broad, the the podcast. You um you have a a, a family member, uh, what by the last name of Rosas, that's pretty well known in the patrol. Yes, uh, I, I'm uh, Robert Rosas from the Campo Station. Uh, I'm, we're cousins, uh, first cousins. His dad, uh, Robert Rosas, and my dad, Roy Rosas, they, they were brothers. Um, and, uh, I didn't mention earlier, but when I was getting in the patrol, I was also giving him a phone call because he used to work, uh, corrections at one time and he decided, you know what, this just isn't for me. And he said, I'm going to go to the patrol. And when he joined the patrol, he was in it maybe I think two, three years when I applied and, and was, uh, get, going to the process to get in. And he was the one I would call up because, uh, I know he was in there and I would ask him, uh, questions about it and he would help me go through stuff and and uh i really appreciated that you know we miss him a lot so yeah uh, yeah well um agent rosas you know uh as people might or might not know uh on july 23rd 2009 he was shot and killed while patrolling over there in campo california and uh, we're going to dedicate, if you, and I'm, I know it's okay with you, I'm not even going to ask, but we're going to dedicate this podcast to him. I really appreciate that. And uh, it's, it's, uh, everyone's doing a real good job, you know, Rosalie and the family too. They, we just came back, uh, I can't remember when, it was uh, the 20, uh, or the 1st uh, of August. There was a run on Saturday, and I went to that run. It was really nice, real good weather. We went out there for the memorial run. Uh, we had some uh, Can-Ams, and it was a bunch of Can-Ams out there, and we, we went out to his site and then drove around and came back, so that was a real good deal, real, really, really nice, so I really appreciate that, so. Well, I'm so glad to hear that they're still, you know, they're still honoring honoring his memory. I got to meet Rosalie myself and, you know, help out with it with, during that situation in, in Washington, D.C. as well. But uh, I know he'd be, he'd be super proud of you, as I know. All the pre- the men and women of the patrol are proud of you, and again, honoring the legacy, honoring our history. You know, we come from a rich tradition of of uh, heroes, of cowboys. Uh, yeah, and, and I'd like to say, you know, with the, with a few shenanigans along the way. Yes, definitely, and, uh, <laughs> and we still carry that on. Like you say, we carried it on uh, within the while we're working or or, or off of retirement. We still got it. You know, it's never going to leave. That you know, that's embedded in us, and yeah. that's who we are. Roy, I truly appreciate you taking the time today to talk to us and share, you know, your experience in the patrol. Share your experience here, and uh, just to show everybody listening that um, you know, law enforcement, the people, that, uh, the majority of people that go into law enforcement, and particularly in the border patrol, because I, you know, I'm a little biased. These guys, professional right love their country love their families and, and it's not enough for you to protect your family you are out there to protect my family you're out to protect the families of everybody out there regardless of background politics that that doesn't matter one bit that's right absolutely it doesn't it doesn't really matter so that's always gonna that's always gonna be around but uh, your true values is what makes you so amen to that brother well again thank you for joining us uh, we'll get we'll get your award out to you ASAP. Miguel, I appreciate you having me on. It was a good time, good talk. Uh, maybe we'll do that another another time on another subject, maybe. So absolutely, and uh, God bless and honor first. Thank you, Miguel. All right. Yeah, this concludes our interview with Roy Rosas, Class 940, out of El Central Sector whose instinct, situational awareness, and this divine timing allowed him to take the role of sheepdog and protect the civilian in distress. 
Please take a look at all our official Old Patrol gear offered exclusively at Old Patrol HQ. Go to Old Patrol HQ at BigCartel.com. Please share these podcasts with everyone in the patrol. We can learn so much about our th- how things are done in the Old Patrol and enjoy our rich history, heritage, and legacy that we all share with a few shenanigans along the way. Until our next episode, remember, there ain't no patrol like the Old Patrol. Honor first, honor always.